Thank you all for being here this morning. Appreciate uh, everyone that's here with our thin crowd, but glad that you're here. And uh, I'm glad that we can be together to worship God. We had an excellent weekend last weekend with our meeting, uh, but I'm happy to be able to be back and uh, to be talking with you this morning. And hopefully the things we have to talk about are beneficial. If you noticed on the slide uh, with our announcements this morning, those were blooms in the background because we need warm thoughts. It's a chilly uh, weekend, uh, late for us to be so chilly, but uh, we're glad that uh, we've got a warm place to be today. Today I want to look at Matthew chapter 7 verses, whoops, not that slide again, we want this one, there we go, Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 that David just read for us, because Jesus contrasts three things in this passage that are very important for us to understand, and so let's look at it together this morning. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let's look at these three things that are contrasted and see what we can learn from them this morning. The first of those is the gates. There are two different gates that are presented here in this passage this morning. Two gates. A gate is a place where entrance is allowed or denied. A place where entrance is allowed or denied. If you, you'll need your Bibles this morning because we're going to be turning to passages to look at the concepts that are presented. But look in Acts chapter 12. Look at Acts chapter 12, beginning of verse 13. In Acts chapter 12, verse 13, just to, to present this idea that a gate is some place where you can go in or you can't go in. It's a place where entrance is allowed or denied. In Acts chapter 12, beginning of verse 13, Peter has been in prison. He's now been released, and he goes to a place where Christians are. In, Matthew, in Acts chapter 12, beginning of verse 13, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. They said to her, you're beside yourself. She kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And so here's a gate. Peter wants in. This girl named Rhoda comes and she's so excited. And amazed, she doesn't let him in, and he can't get in. He's still at the gate, and they have to come and open it. So a gate is a place where entrance is allowed or denied. But a gate is also a place of judgment. It was true in ancient times. It's true in times today as well. A gate is some place where there's judgment. You go to an event, and you want to go in. Maybe it's a sporting event or, or a concert or something, and you want to get in. You've got to go through the gate, and you've got to present some credentials that say, here, I have a ticket. You've got to let me in. You don't have that ticket, they're not going to let you in. Maybe it's at an airport. You've got to go through security. It's a place of judgment. They're going to look at you and say, are you safe? Do you have your ticket? Do you have your ID? And are there any weapons on you? There's a place of judgment where they're making those decisions. Um, I have, in times past, had to visit a lot of factories. And there are gates at factories where you have to stop and talk to a guard. And they don't just let anybody go in. You got to know, they got to know who you're with and who you're there to see. And what are your credentials? Gates are a place of judgment. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 16. God set this up in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 16. 
In the Old Testament, God set up that there was going to be judgment at gates. And this is a different kind of judgment at the gates, but a gate was a place where they would make decisions about right and wrong. They set up people in the gates to be the judges. And if you had an issue or a complaint, you would go to the gate of the city. And that's where those types of decisions would be made. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 18, 16, verse 18. Deuteronomy 16, verse 18. You shall appoint judges and officers in your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice, you shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And so they were to set up these judges in the gates of the cities in the Old Testament. A gate is a place of judgment. And that judgment was perverted many times, unfortunately. And one of those people who perverted judgments was Absalom in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. Absalom is trying to, to create a rebellion and a uh, revolt against uh, David. And so he sets up in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2, in the gate of the city and perverts justice there. As God said, don't pervert justice, he begins to pervert justice in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2. Now Absalom would arise early and stand beside the way of the gate. So it was whenever anyone had a lawsuit, came to the king for a de decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. And it would go on. But Absalom was perverting justice. So a gate is a place where you can get in or you don't get in. A gate is a place of judgment. And then gates were a place where judge, justice was served. Look at Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 22. Gates were supposed to be a place where this justice was served, where righteous judgment was proclaimed in Proverbs 22, verse 22. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. And so justice was to be done at a gate. A gate's a place where you can get in or you don't get in. It's a place where there is judgment. And as a result... There were some gates that are, easier, that are easier to get in than others. There are some gates that are easier to get in than others. You ever flown through a little rinky-dink airport? The security there is a little easier than it is at uh, maybe a major airport. It's that way at uh, other things as well. You ever go to a foreign country? The security is a little bit tighter getting into a foreign country than uh, others. Uh, gates would be. And so you can imagine if the, the, there were gates that were easier to get in, those would be more popular. Gates, uh, there used to, be, used to be you could get into Canada a lot easier than you could get into other countries. And there are certain places in Canada that you could get into. My father went down to Cuba to preach uh, many, many years ago when it was still illegal to go to Cuba, but he was going to preach the gospel. And they went through Canada. And they specifically went through Canada at Niagara Falls because you could just drive right through with all the tourists at Niagara Falls and you wouldn't have to get stopped. They didn't fly into Canada where they'd have to go through customs at a, uh, and get questioned about what they were doing. They, they drove across the border so they could get to Cuba more readily. And that would be the case if you were trying to, to get to someplace. You want to go someplace where it is easier. 
And as the gates became wickeder in the Old Testament, those, those gates um, would become more popular if you wanted your justice to be perverted. Turn to Amos chapter 5 in the Old Testament. Amos chapter 5. Notice who they preferred in the Old Testament, the people who were administering judgment in the gate. They preferred those who were perverting justice. Look at Amos chapter 5, verse 10. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. Forasmuch, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, and you take from him burdens of wheat, you have built houses of hewn stone, but they shall, you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just, they take a bribe, they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore the prudent shall keep silence at that time. For it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you. As you have spoken, hate the evil and love the good and establish just judgment in the gate that it may be the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. You can imagine, if you weren't playing by the rules, if you were trying to pervert justice, you'd go to that gate where you thought the judge would be easier on you. You'd go to that gate where you thought that you could get your way when you weren't playing by the rules. And so we have two gates presented. One gate, Jesus says, is easy, and one is difficult. The judge at one of the gates that we've looked at in Matthew chapter 7 was indiscriminate. Anyone can enter. The judge at the other gate that Jesus presents here is strict. Demanding standards are enforced. Look at Romans chapter 2 with me. Romans chapter 2, beginning of verse 5. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Romans 2, beginning of verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up thou right uh, up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also to the Gentile, both but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. There is no respect of persons with God. And so we have that God is at the gate that is strict. The devil is at the one that's indiscriminate. Anyone can enter through the gate that the devil's at. Only a few can meet the standards that God has at the strict gate. And so some gates are going to be more popular than others. And Jesus says that this wide gate is going to be easier than the narrow gate. So Jesus presents two gates in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the straight gate, and there are this, the, um, the wide gate. He also presents two ways. He presents two ways. He says, enter in at the, uh, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. There's two ways, Jesus says here. A way represents a manner of life. A way is a manner of life. Look at Psalm 1, the beginning of the book of Psalms, Psalm 1, verse 1. 
Psalm 1, verse 1, notice how the idea of a way is presented here as being a manner of life. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by, by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way is your manner of life. And there are two ways that Jesus presents here. The wide way and the uh, difficult way, the narrow way. The broad path indicates that there's room for flexibility in Matthew chapter 7. He says there's a broad way. There's flexibility in this way. There are multiple lanes, if you will. You can do what makes sense to you. You get to choose how you want to go on this broad way. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the proverb writer says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. There are a lot of people in this life that are going down this broad way. They're going down the way that makes sense to them. That's right in their own eyes. And a proverb writer would go on in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, to say there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverb writer and God say, you can't make up your own way. You can't go down this broad way of just doing what seems right to you, what feels good, what you want to do. That's the broad way. But we've got to go down the narrow way that Jesus mentions here, the way that is restrictive and demanding. There are regulations, there are requirements, there are expectations that we've got to live up to. If you're going down a narrow path, it means you're going to have to be diligent to stay on that path. Have you ever gone down a narrow road, maybe in the mountains somewhere, where it's a narrow winding road? You've got to be on guard versus when you're going down the interstate where it's broad. And Jesus says we're going down a narrow way that's restrictive and demanding, and we're going to have to be on guard and give attention to that. Notice what Jesus says in John 14. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says that this way is going to be narrow and restrictive, and you can't just do whatever you want to do on this way. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's restrictive, isn't it? Jesus says you're going to have to live the way that I tell you to live if you want to get to the Father. You can't just do whatever you want to do. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that means if we're going to stay on this narrow road that Jesus says that we have to stay on to be pleasing to God, this narrow road, we're going to have to be willing to take direction from others. We're going to be willing to take direction from God. We're not going to be able to just do whatever we want to do. Look at Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 tells us why we're going to have to be willing to take direction from others. Because we've tried to take direction from ourselves, and we know what a mess it makes of our lives. When we do what we want to do, when we live for ourselves, when we just follow our impulses, 
and our desires, what a mess of it makes of our life. In Jeremiah 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I've tried. You've tried. Living in a way that makes sense to you. Living in a way that you want to live. And Jeremiah says, and we know by experience, that that doesn't work out, does it? That we've got to take direction from God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, we read, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We've got to let God direct our life. We've got to make sure that we're following this narrow path. We need to note what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say that the broad way is easy. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to live for myself. Living for God is too strict. It's too tough living for God. It's too tough trying to be pleasing to God. The proverb writer in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15, tells us that this way is hard. Proverbs 13, verse 15, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Those who try to live for themselves want to follow their impulses. They've got a difficult life. We know from our life, we know from the life of others, that when we live a life of sin, it doesn't necessarily mean that our life is going to be easy. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 says this as well. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. But the path of the just is as a shining, as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They do not know at what they stumble. Have you ever known someone like that? Who was living a wicked life? Whose life was difficult? And whose life had in, was inflicted with pain and yet they didn't? even know what was causing the pain because they were so wicked and their life was so dark. That may have been our life in the past. We need to understand that this broad way, while it may appeal, be appealing and look like it's the way to go, is going to be difficult. And finally, ways are for traveling, not for stopping or standing. Jesus says we need to enter in at the narrow way. Don't follow the broad way. Ways are for traveling. We don't sit in the middle of a road, do we? Last year when we got a big snow, we took a walk down to the big road near our house, and it was completely snowed over, and there was nobody on it. And we told the kids, let's lay down in the middle of this road just so we, so we could say we've done it. But you wouldn't want to do that on a normal day, would you? Ways are for traveling. And we're in this life, and we're traveling we're moving. This isn't a moving sidewalk. We're working, and we need to be moving and walking in that way that God has prescribed. Hebrews chapter 11, we won't read this passage at this time. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 4 tell us that while we're here on this earth, we need to be active and working. So Jesus presents two ways for us. And finally, this morning, as we look at the two things that Jesus contrasts, the three things that Jesus contrasts, he contrasts here two groups of people. Two groups of people. There are many that go in at the broad way, at the wide gate. There are few that go in the narrow way and the straight gate. Gates are sized according to how many people are going to be using them. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you've got a lot of people coming through a gate, you've got a big gate. If it's just going to be one or two, you've got a small gate. 
gates are sized for how many people will use them. And the scriptures are clear that there are just going to be a few people that are saved. Luke chapter 13, turn to Luke chapter 13, verses 23 and 24. In a separate instance, Jesus again contrasts this idea with few and many. In Luke chapter 13, verse 23, Then one said unto him, Lord, are there few that will be saved? He said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. There are many that are going to be lost, Jesus said, and few that are going to be saved. The majority of people are not going to submit to God. The majority of the people are going to fall for the devil's lies. Jesus said a few are going to be saved. Now, if you want to get God's definition of few, and it's a scary definition, look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, God defines few. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, talking about Noah. Noah in his day, there were just few that were saved, which sometime, verse 20 of 1 Peter 3, were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Noah and Mrs. Noah, Ham and Mrs. Ham, Sham and Mrs. Sham, and Jephthah and Mrs. Jephthah, eight people were saved by water. There are going to be few that are saved. And entrance or salvation will be granted based upon strict standards. The few that are going to be saved are going to be saved based upon strict standards. Jesus says it was going to be difficult to enter this gate. It's going to be difficult to go down this road. And why is that? Because the judge, God, has strict standards. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. Jesus says some things here that are very difficult. Difficult for his disciples to understand because he says that rich people aren't going to be saved many times. Matthew 19, verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it shall be easy, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus said it's going to be very hard for a rich person to enter heaven. And the disciples then, as we would today, think, Well, the rich people have it all made. They've got all the privileges. Why couldn't they go to heaven? Jesus said it's going to be difficult for them. And Jesus says, it's going to be difficult, but it's possible with God. The judge has strict standards. Few are going to be saved. And simply trying isn't enough. Back in Luke 13, we looked at this passage, verses 23 and 24. Lord, uh, one said, Lord, are there few that be saved? He said unto them, strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, but will not be able. Just loving God, just trying to be good every now and then, or trying to be good, trying to do what you think is right, isn't going to be enough. We've got to meet the standards that God has said. Few are going to be saved. And then that means, as a result, 
that the ones who will be saved are going to be different than most. Do you realize that? Jesus said there are going to be many that go in that broad gate in that easy way. There are going to be few that go in that narrow gate. That means by default, if we're going to be pleasing to God, we're going to have to be the oddballs. We're going to have to be the ones that are different, the ones that are not going with the way of the world, the ones that are going swimming against the current, swimming upstream, the ones that are different. We're going to have to be different. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul tells us about how to be different. He says, But be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God says we're going to have to be different. We're not going to be able to participate in the sins of the world. There are going to be people who look at us and think we're strange because of the things that we don't participate in. But we've got to be different if we're going to be pleasing to God. That doesn't mean we live on an island and we're completely isolated from society, but we're going to be different from society. Society is going to be able to look at us and say, you know what, there's something different about them. They are living in a way that's different than us. We've got to be different. Look at Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, this idea is is, uh, expounded on for us. Revelation 18, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partaker, uh, partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not her plagues. We're told to come out. Don't partake in their sins. Be different. And we're going to live in the world. We're going to be around those who are living in ways that they shouldn't, but we cannot be partakers of their sins. We're going to have to take a stand. We're going to have to be different. Few are going to be saved. And so those few are going to be different than most. But finally, I want to tell you this morning, while the way is difficult, narrow is, the, way, the gate is narrow, salvation is possible. We can be pleasing to God. While you're still in Revelation, look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do His commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. We can make it through that gate. We can by obeying Him. It's not impossible. Jesus isn't saying it's impossible, but He is saying there are going to be standards that we have to live by. There are going to be challenges in our way, but we're going to have to do this in order to be pleasing to Him. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 1, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And finally, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. 
And let him who heareth come, say come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. We can be saved. Not everyone will be. There will be few, but we can be saved. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and there be many which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Three things that are contrasted. The gate, the way, and the people. The question for us this morning is what kind of people are we? Are we willing to go on that narrow path and that straight gate? Are we willing to be among the few who are determined to be pleasing to God? Who are going to go against the culture maybe? Are we willing to go against maybe their friends or their family because we know what God wants us to do and we're going to do that so we can be pleasing to Him? Are we willing to do that this morning? If you're this morning and you're not living like you should, maybe you've started down that narrow path but you've wandered off, we'd encourage you to get on that path again. Or Maybe you've never started, maybe you're not a Christian. If you're this morning and you know what you need to do to become a Christian, we would encourage you to do that. If there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand and while we sing?